1: Than I ever did. You had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man. So keep up the good work. But it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports, sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglua. Great to have you here. On today's edition of the program, Mitch has become a hot free agent commodity. We'll talk about the teams he might go to. In just a second. Us a brand-new interview today with Greg Cosell, the executive producer at NFL Films and the host of NFL Matchup on ESPN. We talked with him extensively about the Bears, Justin Fields, and what to expect for the team come next year. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Z Glewell. If you want to watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com want to start today with this. When you need to repair your image, there are usually two schools of thought. You could go on a big PR campaign, write an apology tour, and talk to certain people, schedule interviews. See a lot of canceled celebrities do this all the time. Sometimes it works. But there always is, usually, public outrage regardless. And by you speaking more, you stir the pot more. You allow more headlines to come out, bad ones. More issues to stir up. Don't get me wrong, it's worked for some people, but others, not so much. And there's the other option, maybe the less popular option. Shut up. (laughs) Sounds simple, right? Shut up. Be quiet. But it can work, and work very well. I might add, this time last year, there was tons of Mitch Trubisky bashing all across Chicago. Never ended, never ceased. What about today, a year later? What's happened in the past year to stop the Mitch Trubisky slander and talk and hate? Simply put, he's been quiet. And now all of a sudden, Mitch Trubisky has suitors, offers, to be a starting quarterback for a number of different teams. So here's my question. How did he go from being the most hated quarterback in football, at least here in Chicago, to now being sought after, revered, wanted? I get it. The market is weak. Lots of guys retired. People are moving. We all knew at some point Mitch would start again. That was obvious. Even experts were saying that. But... How'd it go to this flow of positivity? Saw a couple of people on Twitter today say, hey, it's the next Brian Tannehill. He'll reinvent his career. I'm so excited. Mitch Trubisky himself spoke out, said he's been in a very good place recently. The NFL on CBS put out this tweet, highest winning percentage since 2018 among active quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, highest winning percentage since 2018 amongst active quarterbacks. Mahomes at 790 and Mitch Trubisky at 658. Huh, I get it, wins aren't a quarterback stat. blah, blah, blah. But the point is, he's right there with those names. I'm not saying he's better. I'm not saying he's great. I've said many a time, at his best, he's a 15 to 20. 15th, 20th best quarterback in the NFL. Now, here's a report from Bears Nation at Bears Nation Shy. Quote, Mitchell Trubisky who's entering free agency is expected to have a chance of competing for the QB1 spot on another team. Here are some teams that have interest. Steelers, Broncos, Panthers, Texans. Packers? Again. What were we saying about Mitch Trubisky a year ago, a year and a half ago? And what'd he do? Shut up. (laughs) Signed a $2.5 million deal, one year, went to Buffalo, learned under Josh Allen, and got so much praise from Allen himself got praise from the GM. I read you that story last week. The GM said we'd love to have him back if he can't find the offer he's looking for. Based on that tweet, it looks like he will find a pretty good offer. I'm pretty surprised at this whole resurrection of his career. In a sense, I mean, I'm very shocked to see this. Rabeski said to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, "Quote: Going to Buffalo really opened my eyes. After being in Chicago for four years, there was only one way I know how to do things. Being in Buffalo and having a different way of doing things, you learn what's possible." Help me get back to instinctual football and using my talents rather than overthinking. Huh, Shout at Matt Nagy, good job. Another quote, you can't be afraid to make mistakes. When guys are playing free, you're at your best. I wanted to learn how the Bills helped Josh, Josh Allen, and I saw that firsthand. And in this article, the writer states that nobody could sympathize more with Mitch Trubisky than all of us after what happened to Matt Nagy, I just love the narrative shift. I'm here for the narrative shift. <laughs> for those who watched me, a lot of you have since last year, last Bears season. I was always on the Trubisky train. want to make myself clear. Again, I'm not saying he's a great quarterback or top five quarterback, top ten quarterback, but you know what? In the right system with the right team, he could be effective. More than effective. I mean, we saw what he did in 2018. We did. did great. We saw what he did his rookie year with John Fox. Put up better numbers than Justin Fields. I'm just saying. So before you come out and criticize Mitch or talk about him, say he's horrible. What are you still talking about, John? Why are you still bringing him up? It's another story that I'm always going to follow. Sorry. Same with the Matt Nagy. Saga, this one, too. How many of you even saw this report that came out? How many of you even heard about it from other outlets? Unless you're on Twitter a little bit, maybe you'd see it. That's it. Nobody talks about these things, and they're pretty damn important. I want to know what happens to Mitch Trubisky. I want to know if the Bears got it right or wrong. I want to know who's really responsible for what happened to him. I want to hold these people accountable. Keyword, accountable. Nobody else holds the Bears accountable. Everybody sits there and praises them. Good job. As of last year, around this time, people were writing apology letters to Ryan Panks. He's been fired now. I'm holding this franchise accountable. We all deserve closure on Mitch Trubisky. Right now, we don't have it yet. He left. He was quiet. Backed up. Josh Allen for a year and a Brian Dable. Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about some big-time teams having interest in him starting. Not backing up, starting. And I just find that so funny for everybody who came down on Mitch Trubisky, everybody who slandered him, took advantage of him, hurt him, ran him out of town. I mean, you made sure you can't even post on social media now. Look where he stands today. He will find another job. He's going to be a starter. He will be. Guaranteed he's going to start at least five games in 2022. Going to compete for a starting job with all those teams I just mentioned. Steelers, Broncos, Panthers, Texans, Packers. Packers! Yep, Aaron Rodgers leaves, I assume. because They're not happy with Jordan Love over there, but that's not the point. Steelers, Broncos, Panthers, Texans, all those spots are viable options. Every single one of those spots he would thrive in, in my opinion, Broncos just got Nathaniel Hackett from the Packers. So offensive line. Steelers, Mike Tomlin, defensive guy. But still, I think Mitch would just do so well in in Pittsburgh. I could totally see it. You know, they had Big Ben. Big Ben didn't really move much, and he was broken down at the end of his career. Now look at Look at what would happen if Mitch Trubisky went there. He could run a little bit. He could throw downfield, throw five, ten-yard passes with ease. I think he'd be great. Panthers, I'm a little bit concerned about, because Matt Rule's an idiot. <laughs> he used a quarterback rotation last year, Sam Darnold and Cam Newton and P.J. Walker. No, I don't think so. There's a spot where Mitch Strabisky would ruin his career. I'm going to fully say that right now. The good thing is, he's a free agent, his choice, and I would hope, he is, he's a smart kid, he would not go to a place where he'd be ruined again. Matt Rule's on the hot seat. Many people were shocked he was even returning this year. They used three different quarterbacks purposefully in one game. Now we're going to do a quarterback rotation. What is this, Pee Wee football? Not going to work. So my hope is he doesn't go there and then the Texans. Well, you really got nothing to lose if you go to Houston. I'm not saying he's going to do great over there. I mean, you got a couple of decent players. Problem is there, there's no expectation to do anything. You go to Pittsburgh or Denver, there's an expectation, a potential expectation for the playoffs. That's where you should go. i telling you right now, Mitch Trubisky needs to pick Pittsburgh or Denver. Needs to start. I guarantee you, I guarantee everybody watching him, it's going to go pretty well. Better than people expect. I know that for a fact here. And then, more from the article, Mitch Trubisky, no doubt, Felt Justin Fields' pain. So see, now it's okay to mention, oh, poor Mitch Trubisky, because of what happened to Justin Fields. Where was this last year? I mean, I'm being honest, where was this? Why has this not been mentioned? And this is what I hate about media narratives. See, now it's acceptable to say, hey, maybe Mitch Trubisky could have a renaissance. Oh, he felt Justin Fields' pain. Poor guy. What about poor guy last year, poor guy 2019? No. Nope, not going to say that. Well, I should say this. There's one person, two people, who I know in sports media who echo these sentiments. Mike North and Mike Harmon, two guests on this program. That's it. I haven't heard anybody else defend Mitch Trubisky, defend Justin Fields, even to the extent that he was sabotaged, not till it came up this year. Right? We didn't talk about this stuff. Nobody cared to talk about it. There were still people, big people in media, halfway through the season praising Matt Nagy. Okay? Praising Matt Nagy, saying it's not his fault, should be staying. What a joke. That's a freaking joke. Now, oh my goodness, Mitch Trubisky felt Justin Fields' pain. Yeah, no blank. <laughs> oh, I wish I could say it, but no blank. Yeah, of course he did. Of course he did. He was run out of town. But we're not going to talk about it now, right? A lot of people don't want to bring it up because they're dead wrong. They were dead wrong. They don't want to look so bad in front of their audience. You know me. I do admit when I'm wrong. I did on Matt Blues a couple of weeks ago. But on this, yes, I was absolutely right. And I'm going to keep and keep reporting on this. So we get a solution. And next year, come the season, there will be videos on Mitch Trubisky. Guaranteed. If he tears it up. If he plays well for Denver, Pittsburgh, wherever he goes. This story will never go away. I want the Bears to feel bad about this. I want some Bears fans to feel bad about how they treated him. Yes, 100%. The way he left, the way he was pushed out of town, the way he was blamed for the majority of the Bears' issues when it was obvious there were problems way above his pay grade. Problem. Now we sit here, we're talking about a new team, starting opportunity, different teams. Right. And no one wants to say anything now. Oh, Mitch Trubisky felt Justin Fields' pain. Yeah? Where was that last year, around this time? Nope, it was, oh, thank God, he's gone, finally. Okay. You'll all see never said he's going to be a big-time top-ten quarterback, but you know what? Right system, right team, team that prioritizes him and yeah, cares about him, he will be a top-15, top-20 QB. He will. When he's not being actively sabotaged, he will, 100%. It was proven that he was sabotaged. Same for Justin Fields, same thing. But the right team, the right coaching, and the right care, because that makes a difference, he's going to be all right come 2022. I firmly believe it. And all these teams that are interested in him, you know, it really warms my heart. Not even for being right or about how I cared about Mitch Stravinsky, how I supported him. No, I'm just talking about in general. It warms my heart to see that. Whether you love the guy or whether you hated him, you have to admit he did get a raw deal. And that's been proven now with what happened with Matt So even if you hate him, even if you say, oh, you know what, bad player, overthrew guys, fine. But you have to admit he got a raw deal. So it warms my heart to see that other teams see that and they're willing to give him a second chance with the right scheme and the right coach and the right care. Care is important. When you have no care, When there's no nurturing, to an extent, you're not going to get better, and you're going to be frustrated. Happens all the time in life. That's a big thing. Same for the NFL, same for quarterbacks, same for every other position, too, but especially the quarterback. If you're not cared for, if you're not prioritized, if you're not nurtured, you are not going to succeed. Look at Justin Fields this year. Was Justin Fields cared for? Serious question, was Justin Fields cared for and nurtured, did he grow in 2021? Not really. Thrown out to the Wolves, got sacked a number of times against Cleveland, was always on the run, never had any protection, got killed. No care there whatsoever. Now we're going to say, oh, Mitch Trubisky felt Fields' pain. Mitch Trubisky had the pain first. Mitch Trubisky was the pain. And everybody blamed him, except for a few. And now Justin Fields felt the same thing. You will never succeed as a quarterback if you're not cared for. If you have a coach who doesn't prioritize you, doesn't care about you, like in Matt Nagy's case, big ego, all conform to my system or you're out of here, yeah, you're not going to succeed. That's why it warms my heart to see Trubisky get another chance somewhere. I hope it works out. And I'm happy that he's speaking out to an extent. I know, I'm sure, he can't say what he wants. Because if he did, he'd be blackballed, 100%. He came out and said, oh, this happened with Pat Nagy, or I have more stories to tell. Guaranteed, he would never find a job again. So I know he has to be very careful with the words he says. And that's why these quotes were perfect. There was a slight jab at Nagy without being direct. I loved it. But it's so true. Matt Nagy did screw him. Now he has an opportunity to rewrite the script in his career and to find a spot where he could thrive. I don't know if he's going to be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback or lead his team to a big playoff appearance, but here's what I do know: He's competent enough to put your team into the playoffs. We've seen it happen with the Bears, and we've seen it happen numerically. Statistically, he's put up good enough numbers to lead a team to the playoffs in the past. He has. 24 touchdowns, 13 picks. Best rated passer in Bears history. Yes, he's put up enough good numbers to suggest that he could lead you to a playoff appearance if you're a team. And I assume that's what other teams see here. They know who Mitch Trubisky is and what he could bring to the table. They know his numbers. They know what he's capable of. Look at all these teams interested. All these teams need new quarterbacks. Think about it. Steelers, Broncos, Panthers, Texans, Packers. Think about the Broncos, the Panthers, the Texans specifically. These are teams who haven't been to the playoffs in a long time. They need a quarterback, obviously. Bringing in just somebody competent would help them. Teddy Bridgewater didn't work in Denver. Drew Locke is a bust, right? Bathurst, three different guys, all of them couldn't even throw the ball past five yards. Texans, Sean Watson's up in the air. Tyrod Taylor got hurt. They have Davis Mills. Okay, well, we don't know yet on him. Sure, he's still out. These are all good opportunities for Mitch to reinvent his career and to lead these teams to the playoffs, even the Steelers still. We can all agree he's way better than Mason Rudolph. (laughs) Mason Rudolph is the QB1 as of today in Pittsburgh. That probably won't last long. And Mitch Trubisky's ten times better. Put Mitch Trubisky in Pittsburgh, see what happens. Guaranteed, ten and 7, 11 and six, playoff appearance. Book it now. I don't know how far they're going to go. But that, I believe, is attainable. Without question, it's attainable. I know you're sick hearing about this. I <laughs> know you don't want to hear about Mitch Trubisky's name anymore. John, what are you talking about? We have Justin Fields now. Come on. I understand but personally, I'm never going to stop covering this. I see so many comments of people saying, hey, I learned more in your show than other shows because you sit here and you report everything. That's my job. That's my goal. I'm not going to report on things that I was just right about or just wrong about. I'm going to talk about everything. See, A lot of people don't want to talk about Mitch Trubisky because they're scared, self-incriminating. They're scared about the mob or... Audiences coming at him saying, hey, didn't you say this? I don't want to do it. I don't want to give him the time of day. I do. I do. Like I mentioned from my video on Monday, it's my duty to help out these people. Robinson, Trubisky. They were sabotaged. It's true at this point. They have no supporters. And I'm not saying I'm big, but I have somewhat of a position. I want to help. I want to help shift the narrative on these players. They're good guys. They play hard for the most part. They're not bad, per se. There have been so many more bad players, complete busts, compared to Mitch Trubisky or Alan Robinson. Mitch Trubisky is not Jamarcus Russell. Mitch Trubisky is not Ryan So Why should he be treated like that? Why should he be treated like like a Jamarcus Russell or Ryan Leaf, when obviously that's not who he is. And that's why I'm never going to stop supporting this or talking about it. I want to see a logical conclusion, but more than anything, I want to help public perception. Here, for them. They were sabotaged. It's been reported on a number of times, and I'm sure it's going to be reported on many more times. Coming up to next season, they deserve fair profiles, fair treatment. A lot of people don't want to, but I'm going to. So, we'll see what happens for Mitch Trubisky come next year. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Greg Kosau comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. John Zaglula, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's the senior producer of NFL Films and an analyst for NFL Matchup and ESPN. Please welcome Greg out to the program. Greg, it's great to have you on. How are you?
0: John, I'm doing great. How are you?
1: Good. Thanks for being here. How's life after the football season for you? Uh,
0: Well, it really doesn't slow down for me, John, because I have to go right (laughs) into uh, watching uh, college players evaluate them for the draft and... Uh, unfortunately I'm just one person. So it it takes a lot of time. So it doesn't really feel like anything slowed down for me. What's your
1: typical schedule during the season? Like how much time and effort do you put in on a per day
0: basis? Well, you know, it's funny you ask that because when people find out what I do, they'd say, boy, I, I would love your job. And then I tell them I work about 75 hours a week. And they say, I'm not sure I really want that job. <laughs> so um, because you just have to keep watching tape. That That's basically what I do. Obviously, I'm, I'm um, on air on the NFL matchup show, which I've been now for five years. Prior to that, I was the producer. So I'm still involved in formatting the show. And in, in sort of the concepts that are spoken about. Although Matt Bowen, who's a Chicago guy, he's on the show with me uh, along with Sal Powell. And uh, I certainly don't tell Matt what he's going to do, but you know I try to figure out how the show should look, format it, along with um, a colleague here at NFL Films named Todd Schmidt, who does a great job. Um, but mostly it's it's just watching tape. And you know I feel like that if you don't watch it in detail and you don't watch as much as you can. Then you're going to miss something important. So I'm sure in that regard, I'm probably much like a coach. There's always more to see. There's always more to learn, and I try to take that approach. So it's 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 a never-ending battle, uh, John. Quite honestly, it's it's just uh, you just have to keep watching the tape. Something always pops up that you say, "Wow, that's really interesting," and and you just learn more and more. You ever get burnt out? Is it ever too much? Um, well, burnt out is probably not the right word. I think there are times I'd love to say, hey, can I go home now? And I can't, but it's <laughs> it's just because, you know, I've been doing it for so long and so many hours. But no, I mean, I never, burnt out is probably not the right description.
1: What fascinates you about film study?
0: Well, you know, it's funny. Years and years ago, um, I focused much more on individual players over the years, I've become much more fascinated by tactics, schemes, concepts. I find that now far more interesting than individual players. In fact, a lot of times I'll get calls and people say to me, oh, can you tell me who the best guards in the league are? And I, I just have to say, I really can't. I, I don't really watch the game like that anymore. Um, you know, are there certain players I make it a point to take note of, you know, depending on who they are? Sure. Sure. Um, but I don't necessarily sit and chart, you know, how an offensive line is playing in a given game uh, because you can't do everything. You know, like I said, I'm one person. And as it stands now, it takes me probably close to two hours just to go through one side of a ball with a game, because that's the way we get our coaching tape is let's say a team runs 70 offensive plays You'll see each play first from the all 22 from the sideline, and then you'll see the same play from the end zone look. So if there's 70 plays, not only am I watching the offense, but I'm watching the defense as well. So it takes a good two hours just to get through those 70 plays. So, so therefore it's impossible to see everything. And I've just become more fascinated over time by the schemes, the tactics, the concepts on both sides of the ball than I am by, you know, Noticing an offensive guard's hand placement or his foot movement.
1: Greg Cosell here on Sports Talk Chicago. Greg, what do you see from Justin Fields during his rookie year?
0: Probably what I expected, John. I think you a quarterback that's highly talented, um, big arm, can can make every throw incredibly mobile. Um, quarterbacks who are mobile. tend to move because they can and very often you see with quarterbacks that are mobile that they leave the pocket before they need to and therefore they leave throws on the field You know, I think that Justin Fields was not playing behind a great all-line, and that never helps a young quarterback because what starts to happen, and it's just human nature, is they start to anticipate and perceive pressure that by NFL standards is often not there. So they move when they don't have to, and you don't want to stop him from moving because he has great what we call second reaction ability, but that can't be the foundation of his game. Uh, his game has to be about throwing the ball from the pocket. He obviously needs to learn quite a bit about what, what defenses are. He's now going to have to learn a new offense. So it's it's a process. If you speak to coaches, and maybe you have, they will tell you that for a quarterback to truly understand. Now, it doesn't mean you can't play well as you're going through the process, John. But for a quarterback to truly understand, It takes three to four years because they have to understand everything about NFL defense. They have to understand everything about their own offense and all the elements and dimensions that go with that. So it takes time. The great quarterbacks and obviously the Bears Hope Fields becomes great, which is not a word I use loosely, by the way, but they drafted him, I believe, 11th and traded up for him. Is that correct? Correct. Then they're hoping he becomes great. And he certainly has the traits and skill set to be that. Um, but in order to be great, quarterbacks win 90 plus percent of the time before the ball's even snapped. And that takes time to get to that point.
1: Okay. So what does that mean, winning 90 percent of the time before the snap?
0: That means they have a very clear and defined understanding of what their route concept is, what their protection is, and they have a very clear understanding of what the defense looks like before the ball is snapped and where the, the danger points are and what the answer is to those danger points. If you reduce it to very simple terms, John, this is I'm reducing it to simple terms. The way it's often taught for a quarterback is, is it middle field open, meaning it's split safety, Is it middle field closed, meaning there's one single post safety? That's the starting point. Then the other thing is, where are the blitz dangers? Where could could pressure be coming from that I need to be aware of that the protection can't handle? Or that presents then a weakness in the defense because if you're bringing extra people, there's fewer in coverage. It's football's a numbers game. So... I'm simplifying, but that's the starting point. I remember having this conversation years and years ago with Sean Payton, and that's what he said to me. He said, that's the starting point. Middle open, middle closed. Where's pressure potentially coming from? That's So you have to know all those things. Uh, and as I said, there's more detail than that, but that's kind of the foundation. And then you have to know that in relation to what your play call is and what your route concepts are. And then when you know all that, All you're doing when you take the snap then is validating and confirming because you know already. So you just want to make sure that there's not some big disguise or late movement that totally changes everything. And, of course, teams do that at times. Defensive coordinators do get paid too. Um, But for the most part, the great quarterbacks, they win the down before the ball is snapped based on everything we just spoke about.
1: How do you evaluate field's perception then at being able to recognize defenses and winning before the snap
0: that that, he's got a ways to go in that regard, but that's not surprising. That's not surprising at all. You know, you know how this works, John. I mean, you're, you're in the Chicago area and, you know, they're starved. It's a great sports town. It's a football town. They are starved for (laughs) not only a winning team, but for a quarterback to be really good because it's been a long time. So, what that leads to is that they want this kid to be great yesterday and it just doesn't happen like that and particularly from where he came from at at Ohio State um, and again no knock on Ohio State's offense Ryan Day's job is to win college games Uh, that's his job and he does it pretty damn well Um, but but Justin Fields has a ways to go with all those other elements of the game. And and from what I've heard, he's a really good kid. I'm sure he'll get there. It's just a matter of how quickly.
1: Are you worried about the new offense now, having to learn a second offense in two years? Could that hurt his career and hurt his development?
0: Well, he's starting over. So it's so, when you say, hurt's probably not the right word. It just changes his development because he has different things that he has to learn. Um, or he has to learn them in a different way. Because most look, there's not a thousand past concepts. So it's just what they're called. And, and then you have to be able to verbalize that in a huddle. You have to be able, if you're going no huddle to understand all that in, in the few words that are, uh, that you're asked to know. So it's, you know, I I remember having a coach tell me that, you know, if you want to order a hamburger and french fries, It's the same in America as it is in France or Spain. But in France and Spain, you just have to word it differently to place your order. So if you're going to, you know, all the route concepts are the same for the most part, but sometimes they're just worded differently and you have to then think through all that. So you say it correctly, you understand it. Uh, If you huddle up, which they will, that you're saying it in a way that the team feels, hey, you're sure of what you're doing and you're not kind of trying to figure it out yourself. So there's a lot that goes into it to get to the point of taking a snap.
1: How concerning were his turnover numbers to you? Seven touchdowns, 10 picks, uh, 12 fumbles, I believe. Are those a problem?
0: I wouldn't say it's a problem after one season, John. I would say that obviously it has to be cleaned up, but I think that's part of the learning process. The one thing, look, interceptions, I've always believed you have to look at each one individually. You can't just look at a number on a page. That's, you have to look at the plays. And I can't remember every single one, obviously, right now, as we're speaking, you know, a couple of months after the season has ended. Um, fumbles have to be cleaned up. You can't, that is a big deal. You cannot fumble the football. Interceptions do happen. I mean, are there quarterbacks that don't throw many, like the really great ones, like the Brady's and the Rogers? Sure, but they played a long, long time. Um, you know, I think that there's degrees of interceptions, and that's why you have to look at each one individually, you have to see how they come about when do they come about what's the game situation, you know there's there's many ways to evaluate an interception, as opposed to just saying, Oh, he threw 10 interceptions in whatever number of starts he had, and say that's too many. So that that you have to work through
1: wanted to ask you this. There's been a lot of talk about the fumbling problem for fields, and there have been yep. two schools of thought. Now, one is that it's a bad offensive line, so the offensive line contributed to a lot of the fumbles. The other is it's all on fields. Where do you stand on that and based on the film?
0: Well, the offensive line causes the pressure at times, but doesn't cause the fumbles. So it's not the offensive line's fault. You know, look, if you have a poor offensive line and your quarterback gets sacked a lot, obviously that's an issue that you want to get cleaned up, But the quarterback can't fumble the ball. I mean, it's as simple as that. You have to have some awareness of where pressure is. You have to make sure you have two hands on the ball. You have to have a feel for pressure. And when I say pressure, I'm not necessarily talking about blitz. It can be a four-man rush. But you have to have a feel for pressure. Because ultimately, great quarterbacks in this league, they don't drop their eyes and look at the pressure. They feel the pressure. As soon as you drop your eyes, you're done playing quarterback because then you can't see the routes in the coverage. So ultimately great quarterbacks feel pressure. They don't look at pressure.
1: How detrimental were Matt Nagy's play calling when it came to Justin
0: yeah. Fields? I'm going to be honest with you, John. I don't get into that because, and I'll <laughs> tell you why. And I'm being honest. I know it's probably a big topic in Chicago. It's a big topic in any city where they think the quarterback, you know, the offense doesn't play well, but I'll tell you why I don't get into it. Because, Because I personally believe, and I've been doing this a long time, and I know a lot of coaches, and I've had a lot of conversations, I think you have to be there all week, you have to be in the meetings, you have to understand what they're trying to get done, how they're trying to get to it, to get to it. Just because play calls don't work, does not automatically mean that the game plan or the specific play call is poor. And see, that's just too easy an answer. Um, you know, no one seemed to rip Matt Nagy in, Matt, in, in uh, Trubisky's second year when Trubisky had the really good year and it looked like he was on his way to being a solid quarterback. Nobody seemed to rip Matt Nagy then. So you have to be careful about all that stuff. And again, I couldn't tell you whether he's good or bad. First, I don't have enough information to know the answer to that <laughs> to begin with, and I'm just being honest. So I'm, I, I can't go there.
1: Do you like at least the Luke Getzey hire? Does he have good reputation based on what? you've Yeah, you I heard? don't
0: know enough about him to know the answer to that. I mean, um, you know, so that yeah, that's another hard question for me to answer. I mean, who's the quarterback coach? I, I saw the name, I can't remember. Um, do you know who it is?
1: I don't know offhand. I'm sorry about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, no. I I saw the name and it's in the tip of my tongue and now, now I can't remember. I think it's someone who's been with getsy or they have a relationship, but I can't remember who it is.
1: How big of a jump do you expect Fields to make next year with this new offense? Assuming, you know, if getsy and him could get along and click well and Fields could start to learn this offense.
0: I think just based on... on what's happened in the past with these kinds of things, I would say that it would probably take a little time. You know, of course fans are going to want him to be great week one and that's to be expected, (laughs) but I would, I would expect it will take a little time. You know, don't forget he's going through a whole new learning curve now. And, you know, so now he's played two years at Ohio state with an offense that he knew he played one year in the NFL learning an offense, and now he's got to learn a new offense and that's not so easy. And, it's it's going to take some time. We're to come with Greg Sal In just a moment, stay tuned. This
1: is Sports Talk Chicago. Greg Cosell still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Greg, let's talk about the draft now. Who's your top quarterback that you've seen uh, so far in these processes? Well, I've
0: seen the top six, John, in detail. And I would say that Kenny Pickett would be my, my number one quarterback. And, you know, the way I would, I, would, I would urge people to think about it this way. And again, by saying that Kenny Pickett's my number one, that doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. Reasonable people can watch tape and disagree. So I'm not saying I'm right. And if someone else has someone else, they're wrong. But I think I think what we're doing, what everybody in the NFL is doing when they look at college players is they're projecting and transitioning them to the league. So while you may start with traits and attributes, then you have to go beyond that and look at, okay, how does a player fit in the NFL? What are you asking your quarterback to do? What do quarterbacks in the NFL have to be able to do to play at a high level? So Kenny Pickett came from the University of Pittsburgh where he had Mark Whipple as his offensive coordinator. And Whip had been in the NFL. So when you watch Kenny Pickett, you see the things that NFL quarterbacks have to do. Number one, they did a lot of full field reading progressions, which you rarely see in college football, by the way. So Kenny Pickett understands that conceptually. He understands how to work full field progressions. So he has vision. He has an understanding of how to play in the pocket. At his core, he's an executor and a ball distributor but he does have mobility. He does have good movement. In fact, sometimes he leaves the pocket too early and that's something he'll have to work on, but he does have mobility and movement, but he he's been taught how to play quarterback in the way that he's going to have to play it in the NFL. So if you look at someone like Matt Corral who played at, at Ole Miss so much of what he did there was based on RPOs and quick game timing and rhythm throws, which do exist in the NFL, but they you can't build an offense in the NFL just around that. So if you're going to look at Matt Corral and say, oh, he's, good. he's a great prospect because he can hit the RPO game, he's going to have to do more than that. And he's going to have to be taught more than that. Now, I don't know Matt Corral. Maybe he can be taught that really well and he'll be great at it. But those are things where teams have to do their due diligence on those kinds of matters to find out. Um, that's why very often completion percentage in college football can be a little misleading. Now, obviously, you don't want a guy completing 52% of his passes, <laughs> but you can't just look at a guy who completes 69% and say, oh, he's really accurate, because there's a lot of one read quick game throws. There's a lot of screens. Don't forget, college football, John, is different than the NFL the the hash marks are placed differently so the wide side of the field is extremely wide so you can throw screens to the wide side of the field that you and i can complete you know so you know sometimes that can jack up completion percentages on easy easy throws
1: where's sam howell in all this i know you know he was supposed to be pretty good at least based on last yeah.
0: year what what happened to him sam howell's another guy like matt corral A ton of design run game plays in college, which will not happen in the NFL anywhere near the extent that they did it in college. So Howell's another guy that played in an offense that had a lot of predetermined reads. Now, there are some of that in the NFL. Of course there are. But he's going to have to learn a lot more about the details, the nuances, the subtleties of the position. Um, And again, how long will that take I can't answer that. That's why teams do interviews. I don't do that. Um, But he struck me as a quarterback that the longer he had to be in the pocket, the more uncomfortable he got. And he's going to have to work through that because he's going to have to play from the pocket in the NFL.
1: Where's this year's quarterback class ranked compared to last year's?
0: You know, I would think if you're just talking about special talent, whatever that word means to people, you probably wouldn't say there's that guy in this class. Although then you have to define talent. I mean, I don't know what Kenny Pickett's going to exactly be in the NFL. My guess would be that Tom Brady after his second year in the league back in 2002 was not viewed as a high level talent. The way we look at a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes. So What is talent at the quarterback position? You know, you can make the argument that talent at the quarterback position is the ability to make every kind of throw when it's demanded to get the ball to the right receiver at the right time with the right throw. You can make an argument that that's what talent is playing quarterback in the NFL. And if you have second reaction ability, that's great, but that can't be your starting point. Who's the best quarterback prospect you've ever seen? Oh, that I've ever seen? Yes. Wow. I've been doing this a long time, John. That's, <laughs> uh, that takes me back. Because um, I really started watching college players, maybe late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I'm trying to think of the players. Um <laughs> the best overall wow god i'm trying to remember drafts um (laughs) can you help me out here i mean i'm trying to remember drafts i mean i remember like i thought carson palmer just as a thrower of the football was super high level like there's not many guys who throw it like carson palmer um and i think that played out basically in his career probably a notch below a hall of fame career um But I'm trying to think of certain, you know, of of drafts. Um, God.
1: I know Andrew Luck was pretty highly rated when he came out. I don't know if he was. Yeah, no
0: question. He'd be, I, I, not that I made a mistake on Luck, but I, I've learned a lot since Andrew Luck came out in the draft about evaluating quarterbacks. So I, I know a lot of people would say Luck, for people who remember, I did not have Luck at that level. And that's on me. I, I, like I said, I've learned a lot. Um, you know, what you get into is you get into talent traits versus the nuances of the position. Like Josh Allen is a perfect example. I I've made the argument going back a year, even prior to this season that Josh Allen's the most physically gifted quarterback in the NFL and is arguably one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks I've ever seen. Um, But coming out, people were very concerned, obviously, about his ball placement, the scattershot nature of his throws, um, which is legitimate because if you can't, look, if you can't throw the ball where you want to, you could be great at everything else, but you basically then have nothing if you can't throw the ball where you want (laughs) to. So, you know, it it depends on how you define talent what value you ascribe to particular traits. My guess is John, that if you ask 10 quarterback coaches to list traits, they would probably all list the same traits. It's just what value do they ascribe to each of those traits? You might get a different answer in that regard.
1: And Greg, before we finish up today, last question, what's the funniest moment that you've been a part of in your career? The funniest? Yes.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) That, that's a hard question. Um, <laughs> wow. I don't know if I can answer that. Um, <laughs> the funniest moment. I mean, there's probably not one moment, but I will say this given what the work I do and, you know, it's, it's collaborative. Number one, I mean, obviously watching tape is an individual thing, but it's very collaborative in the fact that you're, you know, we have to talk through things. And, and when I, first started watching coaching tape and for years and years and years when ron jaworski was on the show we would sit and watch tape together very often and that would lead just on a daily basis to a lot of fun because you know you would just talk ball as you're watching and you know obviously you know since it was it was sports you know there might have been a curse word here and there john and we you know we just had a good time doing it and so you know, I can't think of one specific moment, but it was just an awful lot of fun. Now I tend to work more in an isolated fashion because I sit at my desk where I am now at NFL Films and you can't see it, but I have a you know screen right here, a TV screen, and I watch tape and it's much more of a of an individual endeavor, um, but that in its own way is fun too, you know. So, but no, I, I mean, those years with Ron Jaworski and, you know, we would very often- former coaches would come in or former personnel people and watch with us. And, you know, I mean, this is not like stand-up comedy like George Carlin, (laughs) but it was just fun, you know, because it's just talking ball and watching tape. Well, Greg,
1: thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate the time. Best wishes, of course, with your studies moving forward, especially with the NFL draft and looking forward to the next time we chat.
0: John, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
1: Right talk there with Greg Cosell. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Greg Cosell himself, Matt Dubio, WCKG, Jim Detalbin, to of Entertainment. For making this show a success, remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Z you do watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes you a tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone.
0: No, no, we're the turtles.